Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at the latest round of Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, with Algeria among the four teams to have made it with two games to spare, while Nigeria and Ghana still have to wait. Comoros are edging towards a first-ever qualification, and the Gambia atop of their group. We hear from Gambia coach Tom Sanfier on how challenging it was playing these games in the COVID-19 era. A lot of withdrawals, four players with COVID. Four players who were not allowed to travel because of COVID. A lot of important players were missing, so it was not easy. That's coming shortly. Plus, the steward assesses how the African players are doing in the English Premier League so far. Well, we're going in depth on the race to the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations finals in Cameroon on the show today. Well, the finals will actually be played in January 2022 because of COVID-19. And after match day three and four in qualifying, Senegal, Algeria, Tunisia, and Mali have qualified with two games to spare. The other places at the finals will be decided in March of next year when the final two rounds of games will be played. Well, so much to talk about, Ida. Let's get straight into it.、Uh, first, the most remarkable game was Nigeria blowing a four-nil lead to draw four-four at home to Sierra Leone. <laughs> it had many people, Steve, asking just how the Super Eagles could collapse in such a way, you know. And、uh, it was one of those two sides to the same coin sort of scenarios that, while most Nigerians were absolutely livid. Frankly, Steve, the game provided such entertainment for the rest of the continent, <laughs> as you know, was evident on social media. But look, one thing was very clear: Nigeria clearly underestimated their opponents, lost their concentration midway, and you know, paid heavily for it. And Steve, in a time when、uh, Gernot Roar's position as Nigeria head coach has been under such scrutiny. This obviously could not really have come at a worse time, and I'm sure that Nigeria would have liked to have the bragging rights, you know, of an early Afcon qualification. But hey, look, they'll just have to wait it out a little longer, and especially now that they drew nil-nil with、uh, Sierra Leone in the return leg. But there will be individual consolation points for the Super Eagles, I would imagine. Alex Iwobi, for one, you know, found finally found his scoring boots. Now, for someone who hasn't been, you know, too notable in that way for Nigeria at least recently, it must have been a, a sort of silent consolation for him on a personal note. You know, just a shame,、uh, really, that it came on the backdrop of such a disastrous result. But definitely a landmark result for Sierra Leone's Al Haji Kamara, and you know much more than just the football there. Back in 2016, Steve, well, the Denmark-based striker was diagnosed with a heart defect. Now, back then, the doctors, you know, thought that that was definitely the end of his playing career. Kamara even took a sabbatical, but was then found in reasonable condition to play, Steve. 
went back but then retired from international football. That was back in 2019. Then made a U-turn, Steve, and came back from uh, international retirement. And what do you know? A brace on his return to international action. So many lessons to learn from this whole scenario. But I think the biggest is that it's not over until it's over. <laughs> Indeed. And an amazing story that of Alhaji Kamara's comeback. So Ida Senegal, Algeria, Tunisia and Mali, all very happy, I'm sure, at having made it already. Of course, Steve, together with Cameroon, who already have a slot secured, courtesy of being hosts, although, you know, knowing African football, (laughs) we hope that that situation won't change in the future. But look, an interesting point to note is that the first two teams to qualify for the 2022 Afghan, well, they were the last teams actually remaining at the 2019 edition. We're talking finalists Senegal and Algeria. So looking at the Teranga Lions, well, they have become the first team to qualify for the 2022 showpiece, Steve. And who else <laughs> but Sadio Mane? He scored the goal that qualified them, and uh, that was up against Guinea-Bissau. It was Mane's 20th international goal for Senegal. And Steve, perhaps fitting uh, from one African Premier League star to another, looking at Riyad Mahrez, and he helped Algeria qualify for the 2022 Afghan just a day after Senegal had uh, qualified. He scored as well to take his tally to 18 goals. Steve, add to that 31 assists so far in his uh, 61 caps. I think that's a pretty decent record. And it will be an impressive eighth consecutive appearance for Mali, Steve. While uh, Tunisia will be going to the Afghan finals for a record-extending 15th consecutive time. Pretty impressive. Though for such a brilliant record, Steve, it's hard, you know, to reconcile that they've lifted the trophy just the once. But another 19 places still up for grabs, Steve, during the final two match days. But that will be all the way in March 2021. Yes. Well, here in Zimbabwe, we were delighted at the Warriors coming back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 with Algeria, who dropped their first points of the group, but are qualified anyway. Uh, But uh, in Kenya, Ida, you came up against what could be the surprise team of these qualifiers. Absolutely. I mean, what a showing Comoros are having. And they do look well poised to make a maiden Afghan appearance in 2022, Steve. But I will say that a part of it, honestly, has to be down to the fact that Kenya has made it so easy, you know. I mean, those dismal results for Kenya weren't a surprise to me because the Harambe stars have a habit of making it quite easy for the teams. I mean, they gave Guinea-Bissau a ticket to a maiden Afghan in 2017. And uh, they look to have done the same for Comoros with uh, them so close to the 2022 edition. So, 
I mean, it looks like all that's left for Comoros, honestly, is just a mere formality. But look, not to take anything away from the island nation. They're quite strong, especially at home, and even more so over the last half decade. I mean, even African giants such as Egypt, Ghana, Cameroon, Steve, haven't gotten a win in the city of Moroni these last five years, with Comoros having lost only once during that time. And while a big part of the current Comoros team, Steve, is made up of players based in France, France, of course, no stranger to a strong African community that, you know, look, in all honesty, has helped them tremendously in their journey towards uh, world champion status. And amongst that African community is a huge Comorian presence, you know, quite interesting, and especially in the city of Marseille. So highly likely, Steve, that the football prowess has rubbed off. Well, it would be amazing if Comoros were to qualify for the Nations Cup and the Gambia are also on track for a first-ever qualification. Uh, there was controversy and alleged dirty tricks as the Scorpions first played away to Gabon in Franceville and again as they then met in Banjul with a Gabon striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang not happy at all as they alleged there was no one to meet them at the airport and that they were forced to wait for hours. Well, the Gambia coach Tom Sanfier didn't address this when he spoke after the game, after their 2-1 home defeat of Gabon, but he gave an insight into playing these games in the COVID-19 era. We wanted to win this game. There was a lot of things happening the last week, uh, both in our team, a lot of withdrawals, four players with COVID, four players who were not allowed to travel because of COVID. A lot of important players were missing, so it was not easy. Also, lack of plane tickets uh, to bring players in. We wanted players to come, but then there were no connections. So it was very difficult to get this group together. But we had a good group. I'm proud of my team. Sure, in difficult circumstances, we got four times tested in the last 10 days. We were not scared to be tested anywhere. We got tested in our home country. We got twice tested in Gabon. We played the game fair, as to have to be. And today, I'm proud of my team that we beat them on the pitch. So that's the coach of the Gambia, Tom Sanfier, and indeed a lot of challenges to play these qualifiers, Ida. Well, it's easy to see why, and also, Steve, frankly, Aubameyang is just not used to this sort of stuff. Well, the Gabon team, well, they were stranded at the Gambia airport for several hours ahead of their Afghan qualifier, and some players actually ended up sleeping on the floor. Now, we know this because Aubameyang documented the entire mess on his social media. Reportedly, Gambia airport officials seized the passports belonging to the Gabon team under the guise of their corona certificates being invalid. But as we saw over that last international break, this was actually a very common tactic that was used by the home national teams. I mean, Comoros tried the same as well with Kenya at the airport in Moroni. But uh, looking at Gabon, well, the team was finally released with just about 10 hours to kick off. And Oba used the opportunity to blast Car for the lack of organization. But I would imagine that while Obameyang is familiar with the unfortunate African way of doing things, well, he is very far removed from it, you know, playing his trade in 
what is arguably the most prestigious league in the world. And, uh, you know, we saw similar tricks, you know, that wasn't specific to <laughs> Gambia and Gabon. We saw similar tricks being used in Tanzania in their home game versus Tunisia when uh, there was actually no power at the stadium during the day of the match at kickoff, you know, and the North Africans had to then use flashlights. So, Steve, lots of controversy and tricks, though, if you ask me, not in the best taste. Yeah, certainly not the sort of thing that we would want to see. A few other talking points. Uh, South Africa got six points from their games against Sao Tome. This after they offered to play both games in South Africa. Uh, Sao Tome accepted uh, this because of the complications of travel with uh, COVID-19. And not surprisingly, though, they lost both games, having surrendered home advantage. Algeria had offered the same arrangement to Zimbabwe, but uh, Zimbabwe refused. And uh, just finally, on the Nations Cup qualifiers. For us in sub-Saharan Africa, it's been so hard to watch the games. It's been a year now since satellite broadcaster Supersport stopped broadcasting African football, uh, this following the termination of Lagardère's $1 billion rights deal with CAF. So in many countries, the national broadcasters were able to screen their national team's home match. But to watch the other games, we've had to be looking around for online streams. Uh, that's if you have data to watch the games, of course. Uh, so cause for concern this. I think we do really need African football on TV for the development of the game on the continent. So the next games in Nations Cup qualifying, the final two rounds, they'll be played next March. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart assesses how the Africans have been doing so far in the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. Recently added there a blog called Justice, Fairness and the Free Gift of Forgiveness. Uh, to read that, go to our website, planetsport.tv, and click on the blog section. The website again, planetsport.tv. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. And last week on the show, we asked, who would you support for CAF president? Uh, the race to become president of the Confederation of African Football has opened up. Elections are in March. And the current president, Ahmed, has been challenged by four people. He appeared to have the backing of 46 of the 54 African federations recently. But his position looks far from secure now, as South African Patrice Motsepe, one of the continent's richest men, has submitted his name, along with seasoned administrator Jacques Anuma of Ivory Coast, the head of the Mauritanian Federation, Ahmed Yaya, and Senegal's Augustin Senghor. So we asked, who would you support to be CAF president and why? Here with your reaction is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, Steve. And we uh, start on Facebook with uh, Sideko Suno, who says, I will support Augustin Sengo uh, because I believe in him and his love for African football. Good luck to him, says Sideko. Uh, to WhatsApp now, and uh, Kalpanjie in uh, Senegal agrees, I give my support uh, to Augustin Sengo uh, because he is uh, very intelligent and, in my opinion, he is a qualified candidate for this position. And we also welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Brima Kante in the Gambia. I'm following the race and I'm going to 
wait a bit to see who will really win my heart. Ahmed has done a good job so far, but for me personally, I will go for Augustine because he is experienced. He is someone who, for me personally, is more capable than all the other candidates. But the decision lies with the Federation presidents. So, Abrima thinks the current president, Ahmad, has done a good job, but he is also putting his support behind Augustine Sengo. And so is Bakari Nyasi in the UAE. Uh, to be honest, uh, Mr. Ahmad has uh, done a lot in his uh, first uh, tenure in office, uh, says Bakari. But Augustine Sengo of Senegal has done a great job in improving and pushing the Senegalese uh, to another level. It is going to be an interesting election, and I hope and pray that the best candidate wins at the end of the day. Uh, meanwhile, current President Ahmad has the support of Emmanuel Harry in Malawi. It will be a tight competition, says Emmanuel, uh, but Ahmad will retain the seat because of his current performance and also his vast knowledge of developing football in African countries. And uh, Saihu Dumbaya in the Gambia also supports the current president. I'm still supporting Ahmad, says Saihu. Uh, he has done a great job for CAF. And the other candidates also have their supporters. Modu Giba in the Gambia says, For me, I choose Ahmed Yaya. And Francisco Dodoma in Malawi says, I would support Jacques Anuma, simply because Ahmed has delivered and we need to see new ideas and philosophies. The Ivory Coast is one of the African giants, so I would go for him to learn from their experience. Uh, Jerry Kohli is a women's football coach in the Gambia. I want Ahmed to step down and hand over to someone with experience who can take uh, the development of football further, says Jerry. Ahmed has done a lot but needs to hand the baton over to another. Uh, Jemo got in touch from the United States. I prefer Patrice Motsepe, says Jemo, uh, because his business mindset uh, might help bring growth, development and money to the game, which most African uh, federations lack. Uh, this might also make uh, some African players choose to stay on the continent and compete in a higher level as in other countries. And Amadou Baji in the Gambia agrees, although for a different reason, I will support Patrice Motsepe of South Africa simply because it's high time that Anglophone countries' members also take part in CAF presidency role. All these years, we've seen how these Francophone countries administer and the football affairs in Africa. It's all based on favoring only the French-speaking countries in Africa. So that's why Patrice should be voted in. Let him come and change everything to right and do the proper thing. What we need is fair play, says Amadou. And Moses in Malawi agrees with Amadou's choice. I would go for Motsepe, since he's a rich icon. He may help many African countries to commercialize the game. He could use his financial influence to improve a player's welfare and the fees they are paid when they are sold. It's high time a football is taken as seriously in Africa as it is in Europe, says Moses. Uh, but for uh, some of our correspondents this week, uh, the important factor isn't the man himself as much as his experience and what he stands for. Here's Ecclesiastes 
in Uganda. I would support someone who has the experience and exposure of the game, who has achieved something for their country and federation. I would want to know his plans for the game at national or federation level, whether his country's league structure is sound, and what are his plans in office. I'd also want to know the candidate's personal sports achievements. Has he owned a club? Has he been tried and tested in a position of responsibility? And what is his relationship with FIFA? And finally, here's uh, Banabas Ande in Nigeria. None of these men have what it takes to drive African football forward, says Banabas. It will be my waste of time supporting any of them, including the current incumbent. What we need is someone who can bring modern football development ideas into the game. In my view, none of these five candidates have proven worthy of that. So good luck uh, to whoever wins. Uh, but in the end, it will be another unprofitable adventure for African football. So then, Steve, a mixture of responses this week. The current president, Ahmad, has some support, with others giving their support to Augustin Sengo and Patrice Motsepe. But there's also a hard core who look behind the candidates themselves to the agenda they want to see delivered to truly help the development of football in Africa. Yes, and uh, with those elections four months away, anything can happen between now and then, but I think it's going to be a really intriguing race. Thanks, Ephraim. That's uh, Ephraim Tagu. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK to talk English Premier League. Action is back this weekend, and Tottenham Man City on Saturday is the big game of the weekend. So we've had eight rounds of matches so far, Stuart. Uh, which African players have impressed so far? I suppose the African player who has caught the eye most this season has been Mo Salah. Eight games, eight goals in the Premier League, but no surprise that really. And his strike partner, Sadio Mane from Senegal, has got four goals in his seven starts. Crystal Palace have made an excellent start to the season and are in eighth place, and they have become, I suppose you might say, the most African club in the Premier League, with Chika Kouati from Senegal, Wilfred Saha, Ivory Coast, and two Ghanaians, Jordan Ayew and Geoffrey Sloop, all playing regularly. And now last year, we were a bit critical of Wilfred Zaha, who only scored four goals all season. Well, my goodness me, he's got five league goals in his first eight games this season. Great stuff. Leicester City are currently top of the table. They have four African players, but all of them have struggled for game time. Daniel Amarty from Ghana, Wilfred Ndidi from Nigeria have each had two starts, while Islam Slamani from Algeria has been limited just to one appearance off the bench. Now, then we come to Kelechi Ihanecho. We've talked about him a lot on the programme. The Nigerian continues to be a bit part player with one start and two substitute appearances in the Premier League, but he has scored three goals in the Europa League. And Steve, Admiral Mushwe from Zimbabwe has yet to get a start for Leicester. Aston Villa have been the surprise team of the season, I would say, currently sixth. And last year we talked about them as the most African team of all. And Mahmoud Trezeguet from Egypt is still playing regularly. But marvellous Nkamba from Zimbabwe and El Mohamedi of Egypt have only got a couple of substitute appearances. And talking about players who are having a frustrating start to the season, Nicolas Pepe, the Ivorian at Arsenal, is playing regularly in the Europa League. And he came off the bench to score the winning goal against Sheffield United, but he still only had one start for Arsenal in the Premier League. Just hard to get game time. 
Similarly, Odeon Egalo at Manchester United, two starts in the Europa League, a competition in which the top players are normally rested, but Egalo has only had 10 minutes of Premier League football this season. Similarly, Eric Bailly, the Ivorian at Manchester United, has had one start in the Premier League this season, playing all 90 minutes. However, it was that dreadful game against Tottenham, where United conceded six goals at home. When Alex Awobi left Arsenal for Everton, it was because he was struggling to get enough game time, and I'm afraid there's been a similar pattern at Everton this season, with one start and six appearances off the bench. And we mentioned a week or two back that Yannick Balassi from DR Congo and Christian Achu from Ghana have both been excluded from their clubs, Everton and Newcastle's Premier League squad. Frustrating times for them. So overall, Steve, there have been 30 Africans playing in the Premier League this season, most from Nigeria, six, followed by five Ivorians. And, you know, the experience of Igalo and Bailly at Manchester United just illustrates the challenge for any player in the Premier League. Manchester United have a first-team squad of 43 players, which means that on any match day, 32 players are not in the starting lineup. They're earning good money, they're living the dream, but I imagine they're feeling quite frustrated as well. Yes, indeed. And we're asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. So imagine if you were a star footballer, would you be happy to be missing the action but uh, getting paid lots of money at the same time? Uh, So as Stuart said there, Man United have a first-team squad of 43 players, so most of them don't get a place in the starting lineup regularly. Uh, They include Nigeria's Odion Igalo and Ivorian Eric Bailly. Uh, But although they don't get to play much, they are still earning very large salaries. So would you be happy to get paid without getting game time? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Would you be happy as a footballer to get paid without getting game time? Right then. Now, Stuart, what about the African players who are new to the Premier League this season? Well, I mentioned at the beginning of the season that there were nine new African players signed by Premier League clubs. And without question, the most successful has been Chelsea's new goalkeeper, Edouard Mondé. Four games and conceded only one goal. He's from Senegal, having played for Rennes in France previously. And his Chelsea team met the Moroccan Hakim Ziyech has got his first league goal, But he's only managed two starts, the old problem of large Premier League squads, I'm afraid. Arsenal's Ghanaian signing from Atletico Madrid, Thomas Partey, has looked really good when he's played, but he's only had three starts. Fulham's Nigerian, on loan from Torino and Italy, Ola Aina, has had five starts, but Fulham, of course, are struggling badly at the moment. Bertram Traore, whom Aston Villa signed from Lyon in France, has had one start and come off the bench four times. He's from Burkina Faso. Southampton's Ghanaian Sally, I'm afraid, has yet to see any action. And the other three young players I mentioned, Ahmad Torre at Manchester United, Ismila Koulibaly, Sheffield United, and Issa Kabori, well, they're all teenagers, bought with a view to the future, and haven't seen any action yet. So their time will come later, hopefully. And uh, Stuart, what about the players in the big transfers ahead of the new season? Uh, how have they done? Well, Steve, there were 21 new signings in the summer transfer window, 
of players costing at least $25 million. The three most expensive were all by Chelsea, and all of them $60 million or more. Kai Havertz, Timo Werner and Ben Chilwell, and all have been playing regularly. But in terms of value for money, I would go for Aston Villa's Ollie Watkins, signed for $37 million from Brentford in the Championship, an awful lot of money for someone who'd not played in the Premier League before. But he scored six goals in seven games, including that hat-trick against Liverpool. Great start for him. Similarly, Callum Wilson cost Newcastle United $26 million from Bournemouth, and his eight games have brought six goals, although three have been penalties. And talking about Villa, Martinez, their new goalkeeper from Arsenal, $26 million worth, has been an excellent buy. Diogo Jota signed for Liverpool from Wolves for $54 million. And now he's played three games, he's come off the bench three times, and he's got three goals. And he's got four goals in the Champions League. I think that's quite a good start for him, remembering that he's competing for game time with Salah, Sadio Mane, and Firmino. Everton bought well. Marcus Allen, James Rodriguez, and Decore, remember him from Watford, are all new signings who've taken them to the top of the table. Okay, they've dropped a little bit, but a good start for them all the same. The biggest mystery for me remains Donny van der Beek, who Manchester United paid Ajax $54 million, and yet he has not started a league game. Why pay all that money for a player if you're not even going to give him a chance? Yes, a puzzling indeed. And uh, just briefly, Stuart, an amazing result in the UEFA Nations League as Germany were beaten 6-0 by Spain. What did you make of that result? The last time Germany lost by six goals was in 1931. And Germany went into that game unbeaten, but yet they shipped six goals. And what made it particularly interesting for us is that Manchester City players scored four of the goals. Three for Ferran Torres, one for Rodri, and another goal came from Morata. You may remember him from Chelsea. This strange year continues. Staggering result, indeed another of those in this COVID-19 era. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.